Barbarians at the gate. We'll be talking the Capitol building. We'll be talking Trump. We'll be talking Trump's kids. We'll be talking Giuliani. We'll be talking a lot about the Trumpster in this podcast, but we're also going to cover gold, Bitcoin, copper. We'll talk the Almaden initial permitting denial, emphasis on the word initial, and the lessons learned there. We'll talk about social media and the role it plays, the freedom of speech implications of banning Mr. Trump for 12 hours. We'll talk the Trump pardons. A lot, a lot to get to. I am Gerardo Del Real, along with my co-host, Mr. Nick Hodge. This is episode 99 of Bizarro World. Nick, we go away for two weeks and you see what happens. I was going to say it's been two <laughs> weeks. It feels like an eternity. Happy 2021 to, to you and everyone listening. And I know we were um, happy to, to bid adieu to 2020, but uh, here we are with what uh, someone has told me. It's an inauspicious start to 2021, and, and that's exactly right. So uh, we're doing good. I, I hope the same for you. There's plenty to talk about, of course. There is. I am well. It's been a long year, but there is a lot to be excited about, especially in the commodity space. And, and we'll get to that in just a bit. Um, I saw a meme and I don't, you know, I don't use emojis. I'm not one of those people. Uh, nothing wrong with it, by the way. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'll be 43 in October. I don't think emojis um, are befitting of, of a man my age. But anyhow, um, I saw a meme and it was 2020 uh, represented by the Joker showing 2021 around represented by Pennywise, the clown in Stephen King's It. And I thought it was a very fitting meme because man, it's been a long year already. Like I say, seems like an eternity. And uh, for anyone who thought that a new year meant the flipping of a switch for um, the end of political turmoil or the end of the virus or the end of... Uh, asset inflation or records in stocks. None of that has, has come to pass yet. So uh, we'll see. Let's, let's dissect as best as we can, Nick, what happened in Washington this week. Let's start with the facts. The facts are that a significant contingent of Trump supporters decided they were going to listen to Mr. Trump and march, because that is what he said. He didn't say attack. He said march towards the Capitol building. And then he did what he does. He lied and said, I'll be there with you. And then Eric Trump, his son, tweeted, head to the Capitol. I'll fight next to you. And then, of course, he didn't because that's what they do. They incite. These are the facts. These are not opinions. Now, let me be very clear. I have friends that are Trump supporters, have friends that voted for Mr. Trump. Um, <laughs> jokes aside, a lot of fine people on all ends of the political spectrum, right? But the people, yep. the people that overtook the Capitol building caused the death of Miss Ashley Babbitt. And we'll talk about the police failure there and how they enabled that. That young lady, I saw the video. I don't encourage anyone to see it. Um, I saw her getting shot and her, you know, eyes rolling to the back of her head and blood popping out everywhere. I saw that happen right after a Capitol police officer decided he no longer wanted to guard the door and step aside. It's why that mob was able to break through the glass. And it's why Ms. Babbitt was killed. The gentleman responsible for killing Miss Babbitt was a Secret Service agent who clearly did not get the memo. And this is important for everyone that was watching and that's trying to make sense of some of this. There was a significant failure that I hope is investigated to the very core by the Capitol Police. I saw videos that were authenticated of them opening the gates. And again, just like the Black Lives Matter movement, just like Antifa, just like anybody, um, atheists, whatever, whatever, whatever your political or philosophical persuasion is, everybody has the right under our Constitution to peacefully protest and assemble. And anytime there's a group within 
a protest that takes away from that message. We've been pretty consistent on this podcast about condemning it. We did it during the mostly peaceful protest over the summer. We were very clear about the fact that the people looting and burning and destroying property should be arrested, hauled away, booked and charged, consistent. You can go back and listen. We're almost 100 episodes in. The people that were allowed to run around and wander for hours, for hours inside the Capitol building, on the steps, were enabled by the Capitol Police. That is a fact. And there has to be an investigation to get to the bottom of why there were groups inside this nation's Capitol building roaming around with zip ties and weapons, chasing police officers, looking for VP Mike Pence, looking for Nancy Pelosi, sitting on desks, stealing property. There was a gentleman, and let me not call him a gentleman, there was some asshole with a Confederate flag inside of our nation's Capitol building. There were Nazi flags, there were nooses, there were, I mean, and for hours, Capitol Police allowed this. So I want to be very clear. The death of Ms. Babbitt, the death of the police officer, the Capitol Police officer, by the way, who apparently was trampled, um, that was enabled by the lackadaisical response to the part of the protesters that became a mob, the domestic terrorist portion of that group. And again, to be clear, that entire group, there, there were some people that were there protesting peacefully, didn't do a thing, but show up with their signs because they're pissed off about the result. And as Americans, you get the right to do that in America. For everyone else that doesn't fall into that category, I hope, and I don't usually wish prison on anyone, but I hope that they are brought to justice. Several have been arrested because, of course, you know, the low IQ insurrection, um, took pictures and documented everything. We've had conversations, Nick, about how I, I can't believe that these people do this. I mean, they, they Instagram live and they post on Facebook and it's like name, face, profile, picture of me committing the crime. And then can't believe when they're held to justice. And in this case, it was one of the saddest days I've had in a very long time, Nick. It was very, very difficult for me to watch an institution that I don't even like, right? I don't like either party. I don't like most people in either party, but to watch an institution that I believe needs to get restructured and, 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 and needs to be torn down metaphorically, not literally, to watch that carry out at the Capitol building and police just allow it, it was sad. It was sad, sad, sad. I wasn't even angry initially. I was just sad. Well, you don't have to be uh, in favor of Republicans or Democrats to be in favor of the institution of democracy. And so um, that's what was, I think, sad to see. But it was also uh, good to see that, um, you know, uh, I feel like um, a bit exaggerative comparing it to like the Civil War, the Revolutionary War, considering the um, almost quasi-humorous nature of the garb and attitude of some of the um, intrusionists, let's call them. Um, so it was good to see uh, democracy hold up in that respect, to see the Congress and the Senate come back to do the count that night, I think is very symbolic. And, and it's obviously indicative of the, of the fourth turning that you and I have, have talked so much about, right? This... Um, political violence and turmoil and bloodshed um, and search for direction and um, changing of institutions, which I think you're going to see uh, that phase coming here in the next uh, couple of years. Uh, and of course, was sad. You, you touched on so many things. I, I should have made a list, but you were talking about the like the police response. And so uh, I'd, I'd want to talk about the preparation, for example, because one of the juxtapositions I saw was, you know, <laughs> pictures of the preparation for Black Lives Matter protests this summer versus the utter lack of preparation for um, the, what the situation could have evolved to be 
to be and did evolve to be this week. And um, they are stark and they, you know, pictures uh, tell a thousand words. And if you've been paying attention for the past couple of months, you know that um, there was a lot of people being beaten with shields for, for just walking or encroaching police and batons and uh, mass deployment of tear gas and rubber bullets. And, you know, you remember when Trump came outside with the Bible to clear the square and the law and order. And you saw none of that uh, here, none of the preparation, none of the police response, none of the use of force, none of the calls for uh, law and order. And, and that's disappointing. Um, and so um, not, not one rubber bullet was fired. I mean, it's insane. The videos I saw, Gerardo, of uh, there was a one black police officer when he was not able to hold back the crowd and then they were coming into the Capitol building and he was made to retreat. I mean, I could only imagine if that scene had evolved, uh, you know, in in Kenosha this summer or somewhere else. I mean, of course, the police would have opened fire. I mean, for Christ's sake, you had uh, citizens open fire on protesters this summer and being cheered on by um um, Christian groups that raised two yeah. million dollars for his bail, and not even arrested on the spot, right? Be walking around with his rifle, having just shot several people, and then not even apprehended by law enforcement on the spot. And then, you know, you look at a, a, a cultural beacon, a satirical, uh, you know, rag like the Onion, for example, and you know some of the things that they're putting out are so on the nose that it's. Um, almost like they're the real media, right? Or the ones that are, are putting out, you know, true opinions and not having to play both sidesisms. I don't know if you got to see any of that, but the onion I did. Headline, <laughs> headlines like, you know, um, there's no police there because they're all part of the riot, for example. Or another one I saw was, um, you know, uh, Capitol Police Force <laughs> jumps a chance to go uh, <laughs> undercover with uh, white hate groups or something like that. And so, I mean, you know, <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. I mean, it's truly a bizarre world. And, and I don't mean to laugh because the loss of life isn't funny, but you see it on both sides. And I guess that was one other thing I would want to say is like, you know, these people are carrying thin blue line flags and, and don't tread on me flags. And and they're doing the exact, uh, you know, antithetical acts to the to the to the beliefs of the flags that they're carrying. It's just nonsensical to me. I don't know if they don't understand um, or they've been misrepresented to in, in some way or I, I don't get that part of it. But to me, you know, um, carrying thin blue line flags while uh, a police officer simultaneously loses his life is, um, you know, uh, hypocritical to the max. And so. Um, I don't know. What else do you want to talk about? So much happened this week. I mean, no, just the so, pictures, right? I mean, the pictures yeah. will last forever. You mentioned the Confederate flag. I mean, there was a gentleman sitting at the uh, the head of Congress, right, in the chair as, as as people took pictures of him with their cell phones, right? I mean, that's one picture that was seared into my head. The other picture of the uh, the several Secret Service men with their with their pistols drawn and, and aimed at the chamber door, the chamber that you see the president walk through all the time when he gives the State of the Union address, right? And so, um, I mean, those images are, are here to stay and will be in history books forever. And, and, you know, I could keep going and going. And another thing that I was thinking was like, uh, like 9-11 and Patriot Act stuff. And you saw how militarized the police were this summer. You saw none of that. I mean, how is it possible in a post 9-11 world that a mob can walk into the Capitol where the vice president and the fucking Senate are? It seems insane. You know, I mean, it seems insane. And if you're not pissed off about that, um, again, I, I fall back on I don't know what to tell you, but. You know, the, the lack of accountability has to change. It's something I point to a lot in, in the corporate world, but in the political world as well. I mean, who was held accountable for uh, the lack of defense there when, you know, we have a defense budget that is several, several times the next country's largest and, you know, um, we're always deferential to our troops and take pride in in, in the defense that, that we have as a nation. And then you got these people waltzing in there in fucking Viking helmets. I mean, what the fuck is that, Gerardo? $736 billion, I believe, is what we spent on defense spending last year in this country. Money, by the way, that we're borrowing and don't have. Cool. Interest rates are low. I get it. We can't guard the Capitol building while the Senate is in session ratifying the results of, of, of the election. 
And and by the way, kudos to those young two young woman staffers that had the brains and the cool while everybody was running around with their heads up their ass for thinking, let me get these electoral college votes and secure them. Because in a moment of panic, which again, I I, I get it. I'm not trying to belittle people panicking at a situation where people are coming in with zip ties and Viking helmets and all the other crazy things that we saw. Um, but, but I do want to applaud those two young staffers because both of those young ladies did exceptional, exceptional work under a lot of pressure. Um, again, there was a report by the FBI that was published earlier this summer that outlined the threat of white supremacists and radical extremists that are aligned with the military and the police in this country. And if you know anything about the history of the police in this country, um, then, then, you know, it, it was set up that way. We have to get to the bottom of that. We have to do better. I am not one of these abolish the police people. I've, I've said this on this podcast many, many times. Um, you know, I've, been, I've, 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 I've lived in a town and my parents live in a town where I know what it's like when the people that have the better armor and the more ammunition and the bigger weapons and organize better. They are the law of the land. We don't want that here in this country. I've said this many, many times. We got a sneak peek at what happens when the mob is enabled. And again, this was not a failure. It was by design. And I don't mean any disrespect to the good Capitol Police. But my God, do they have to speak up. They opened the gates. They moved aside to let Miss Babbitt try to breach the door to the Capitol building. And again, it was a Secret Service agent who didn't get the memo that shot her. And, and for what? We have to change the way we speak to each other in this country. I don't care what political affiliation you, you, you identify with. We cannot This is continue. a police force. And this is a police force. Sorry to cut you off. Don't forget yeah. the forcibly removed handicapped people um, who were protesting in the Capitol a couple of years ago and who shot Miriam Carey in 2013, I believe it was, for making a wrong turn. Um, On the street, not in the Capitol building. That's, that's right. And so, um, you know, the, the, the juxtaposition there, the, the use of force compared to uh, that compared to what you saw this week, I mean, yeah, someone has to, to answer for that. And, and, some, and you, you got you, you to gotta reach out and, and demand an answer for that. And um, even to the politicians who incited it, like, you know, I'll stay here in Washington where I live, but like Kathy McMorris Rogers, for example, who was going to be like oppose the, the vote. And then it's like after the Capitol gets breached, it's like, oh, well, no, we're not going to oppose the vote anymore. It's like, come on, man, like have some accountability. You're the one who said you're going to oppose the vote to begin with. Right. Anyway, and sorry. It, yeah, no, no, no. That's a great point. And it brings me to the point that, that, that I was making about changing the dialogue. There is a difference between not knowing better and manipulating those that don't know better. So I'd like to take this opportunity to say, fuck Ted Cruz. No doubt. Ted Cruz knows better. Josh Hawley knows better. These are intelligent men. Don't mistake my disdain for them for me confusing the intellect that they possessed. They are capable. They are intelligent. They know better. And they know damn well. We've talked about, you know, the the, the dog whistling before, how Mr. Trump has done it very effectively, um, how Ted Cruz has done it very effectively, and several others. And now, now they don't want to associate with it. Now everybody wants to resign 14 days before there's a change in administration. Now they want the history books to show that they weren't a part of this for the last four years. We can't continue to have dialogue with each other that borders on just falsehoods and a belief in individuals. We have to, we have to speak reasonably to each other, logically to each other. I, I, I'm talking to some of my conservative friends and they're saying, well, it's all socialism now. And I say, well, why do you label it that? What, what, what was it the last four years? Because I've called it corporate socialism for the past four years. 
Um, and, and they say, well, Biden's going to come in. And, you know, now that the, the, the Dems took the Senate because they won those two races in Georgia um, that they weren't supposed to win, by the way. Um, sure, we're going to get multi-trillion dollar infrastructure plans. Plans, by the way, that Mr. Trump was all for. Um, so, it, uh, again, we have to start talking to each other with some reason. We we can't just be a, a, a society, a country that just speaks in memes. <laughs> yeah, I was very intentional with, with, with my introduction about 2020 and 2021 with, you know, Pennywise and, and, and the Joker. That's kind of what it's like right now. You're either one or the other, according to a lot of people. And we can't have our institutions of law and order complicit in something like this. It's treasonous. And I don't use that word lightly. It is treasonous. And, and, and to the officer that, that, that died, you know, defending the Capitol building, you know, my best to him and his family. Um, he, 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 he was trampled. He was trampled to death. One of the rioters tasered himself in the growing area and suffered a heart attack. I can't make this up. Where was Eric Trump? He tweeted he would be there to fight with you. You should be mad at him. Miss Babbitt's family should be mad at them. The politicians that instigated a lot of this. Yes, they have to take accountability for their actions. It starts there. I'm all about accountability. But we have to hold our politicians accountable as well because Miss Babbitt's gone. She served her country for 14 years. People are complicated. She served her country for 14 years and also had a restraining order. Three, actually. One for chasing the ex-girlfriend of an ex-boyfriend and a couple of other ones. Guess what, everybody? There aren't perfect people out there. During this election cycle, all we got to hear, including me, I said it because I thought it was funny, is if Joe Biden can just hold a sentence together, he might have a shot. And you and I, Nick, <laughs> didn't think he, he would and didn't think he did. Right? And, 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 and now it turns out so far the tone is, is good. Let's, let's pivot to the markets unless you have something else on, on this. But again, one of the saddest days in my adult life that didn't have anything to do with personal loss, although I did feel seeing, you know, that, that, that institution violated that way. It, it, it felt like we lost something. I'm interested to see who's learned from their actions. I've seen some videos of people who stormed the Capitol that have, um, you know, voiced their regret for doing so and said that it was, um, you know, one of the lowest points in their life as well. We'll see if some uh, politicians um, have some similar sentiments and we'll see what they do going forward because, of course, actions speak uh, louder than uh, words. And I guess I'd also say that, you know, I think you still have a, a bumpy road ahead, right? I mean, I think the fourth turning is going to last for another four or five years and isn't over until after the Biden presidency. And um, don't think either that the Biden presidency and the Democratic win is a, is a road to Democratic rule. Like you said, we just learned this morning that the senator from West Virginia said no way to $2,000 checks. He could, of course, change his mind, but uh, it doesn't mean that they uh, have a blank slate and to your conservative friends who are uh, concerned about socialism. I mean, yeah, there's plenty of socialism that's gone around the past four years. I don't think that's a, a, a really sound argument to make. The money has been sloshing around both from the uh, Federal Reserve and the government buying equities, buying bonds, uh, et cetera. I think 40 percent of farm income comes from the government. And so to say that socialism is here now is a non sequitur. I mean, it's already I've been here if that's the, you know, the the yardstick by which you're measuring it. And so um, that's it, I guess. Um, hopefully people learn some lessons and um, uh, onward with 2021. Agreed. One last thing, because the hypocrisy is, is, is just incredible to me. It's unbelievable. For those of you that are still retweeting conspiracy theories that somehow Black Lives Matter or Antifa or any group you don't like, the gays, the Mexicans, the Italians, the blacks, whoever you don't like, because that's what's happening, right, on Twitter. And I know Twitter isn't the real world, but there were actually some people that I know are smart people on there saying this shit. Saying that, well, you know, this may have been a false flag operation. When you can no I mean, longer believe your eyes. <laughs> yeah, it's live on TV. I mean, it was live. It's like, it was televised. It was Twitterized. 
And these people have profiles and you can look back. I, I, I looked at Miss Babbitt's profile for the past several years. It saddened the hell out of me. You know, this was just, it was a young woman who really believed that the election had been stolen, was egged on by politicians, decided to go out there with her boyfriend and got herself killed because a, a police officer that was supposed to stand guard decided, you know what? These are my people. Go ahead. Go take care of business. I'll move to the side. And she ends up getting shot in the neck by a Secret Service agent. That death shouldn't have happened. We can argue about the merits of, of the Secret Service guy shooting. If I'm a Secret Service agent and I have one task and that's to protect what's inside, yeah, you're getting shot. But that could have been avoided. Um, the police officer that died, that could have been avoided. I, 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 I don't know enough about, there were five people total that died. Three of them could have been avoided. Miss Babbitt, the police officer that was trampled, the gentleman that tased himself and caused himself a heart attack. The other two, I'm not as familiar with the details, so I'll, you know, but the bottom line is all of this should have, could have, needs to be avoided in the future. And let's just start living in reality, people. Um, peop yeah. Anyhow, let's pivot. What do the markets look like? Because this was On another- On the later side. I'm going to keep it going for a second. <laughs> On the later right. side. I just, and you can verify it and we put up a link if we want. Um, but there was a gentleman who was, because it was, it was interesting the diversity <laughs> of people who were there, the range of people, business owners, et cetera. Anyway, there was a gentleman there who was uh, also married to Britney Spears for 55 hours yep. at one point. And so the breadth of people that were there was uh, quite intriguing. And again, if you're there peacefully, you had every right to be just like every other protester. But we have to apply the law in this country, in every county of this country, equally and justly. That's the criteria, everybody. I don't care about your skin color, how much money you make, who your attorney is. That shouldn't be the, the, the checklist for whether or not the laws apply justly to you. Equally and justly. I, I want to be bad. <laughs> Let's talk the markets. Um, when Bitcoin was at 5,000, you said it was probably a good time to get back in. Bitcoin, hey. Bitcoin's at 40,000 now. Um, Is that all? Chamath Palapatea, and I know I butchered that name, but everybody knows who he is. Uh, former Facebook founder, one of the original groups, billionaire. His SPACs are doing remarkably well. Anyhow, he made a very compelling argument, as did a friend of ours uh, earlier this week, about why Bitcoin could go to 150, 200, 300,000 as it becomes, you know, one of those items that is prized by the very well off. And, you know, he's not wrong. And, and neither was the gentleman that forwarded us the email making the argument that you're going to have all this counterfeited capital chasing what will eventually just become not even a hedge against government incompetence, which is um, Mr. Palapatea's uh, uh, argument. Uh, the other argument was it's going to become, you know, like a trophy wife or a trophy husband. It's going to be one of those things where if you own it, you kind of get to flex and brag a little bit, right? And I can, I, I can absolutely see that being the case. I mean, you know, why is a Picasso worth what a Picasso is worth? Guess what? There's only so many, right? Simple supply and demand. And so... Again, I've sat on the sidelines. I, I stick to my knitting. I keep it very simple. I'm a very simple guy. But I can absolutely see a path where this becomes, you know, 400,000. Mr. Palapatea said when it hits a million, he's going to buy the entire Hamptons and turn it into a camp. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I mean, people are buying a lot of Bitcoin. Look, you got that Grayscale fund out there right uh, now. You got that uh, MSTR. Let me look up the name of that so I don't get it wrong uh, on the air here. Um, the micro strategy company, MSTR, that's gone from like uh, $125 to $550 a share over the past year and has just been buying uh well, just announced. In fact, I'm looking at it, a billion dollars in total Bitcoin purchases in, in 2020. So you got companies and funds going in in a big way, putting a part of their uh, balance sheet into into Bitcoin. Right. Um, you've got PayPal doing that. You've got uh, Jack Dorsey from Twitter all in uh, on uh, Bitcoin and 
Um, totally right in the fact that it's the scarcity factor, right? I mean, I don't have to explain Bitcoin, uh, you know, you related to Picasso. I'd rather relate it uh, to gold. And um, yeah, people are already asking each other, you know, do you own any Bitcoin? Have you been on, on any Bitcoin? Do you know about the Bitcoin? Same as they were a couple of years ago at Thanksgiving time. You and I talked around this, talked about this this past Thanksgiving time when we were saying, oh, it was just two Thanksgivings ago when Bitcoin was at 16, 17,000 or whatever. And so um, and now you've got also major banks. I think it was JP Morgan who put out a report recently saying uh, that Bitcoin could go over 140, I think 148 or 149,000 was the the number there and so um, it's a very real asset class and the 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 market cap of it has now surpassed all but some of the biggest uh companies in the world and so um if you've been paying attention at all for the past couple of years it was easy to see that bitcoin was going to uh, emerge as the winner and there was a lot of um you know, we get fun names, right? There was a lot of shit coins <laughs> out there, uh, altcoins, right? And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's the the run has been absolutely incredible to see it go. Um, you know, I mean, there was chatter back when it broke through its previous record, eighteen thousand, nineteen thousand, but then seemingly to forty thousand uh, in a hurry, right? And comes alongside, um, and I'm sure we'll get to it, the inflation of, of other assets, right, as well. And so if you're going to destroy the currency, if you're going to um, make the printing press go burr and, and buy stocks and bonds and send people $600 and $2,000 checks and uh, PPP loans, et cetera, et cetera, I mean, that's what's going to happen. That money supply, right, is um, going to find a home elsewhere in, in other assets. And let's talk other assets. Gold took a little bit of a hit. Eh, down 66 bucks today. Still at 1847. Still range bound. Silver, same thing. Down to 25.34. The dollar broke above 90 again after being in the high 80s for a bit. Um, does the narrative change in the mid to long term? Um, well, maybe not in the midterm, but in the long term, I think you know gold definitely has to turn around. I think you, you've got to turn around in in real rates, albeit still small, you know, small and they're historically still low, but, you know, the real rates have, have gone up. And so I think that's what's kept gold down. Um, I think there's a, a, a narrative out there or there's uh, a couple of things going on out there. Where, you know, the implication that, you know, the uh, vaccine is going to bring an end to, to coronavirus, that people are going to, uh, put these stimulus checks into stocks, a la like the Robin Hood narrative, right? Where mm-hmm. um, you, you got all this new money that that's coming into <laughs> to asset classes, cryptos and and tech stocks, um, and and the argument that there's still real upside um, uh, from a from a valuation perspective, and so um, you know, I, I, I'm not sure. I think that. Um, Gold equities still have a lot of catching up to do. You and I have talked that they never really provided the leverage that they're they're not providing. And I think that that leverage is really going to come, but not until gold can get back to, to record prices. And um, I'm not seeing that here in the next couple of weeks, but maybe in the next couple of months. And I would I would hope and, and probably think in the next couple of quarters. I agree with you. And I would hope that people use that as an opportunity to, to top off on the better names, right? Um, Companies will be bought out between now and when gold hits its new all-time high. Companies will absolutely, absolutely. Companies will be delivering exceptional drill results. You can expect them from Chicana. I think uh, Nevada Sunrise Gold and New Placerdome Gold will finally have results next week. Um, there's several, several companies out there doing really quality work. Use this as an opportunity if you get a further pullback in those names to add to your positions. Now there's more than one way to skin a cat. There's more than one way to, to make money. And, you know, we'll talk our own book with uh, resource stock digest and our publications under digest publishing. Um, we try to provide as much of that as possible, right? You're sector agnostic. I know that you had a, a, a new cannabis recommendation this week. Um, group that's attached to, to Jay-Z's SPAC, I believe. Is that accurate, Nick? Yeah. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, I recommended a company called uh, Harvest, H-A-R-V, in, mm-hmm. in Canada, and that's up 30 or 40% in a couple of weeks. That was 
um, you know, with Biden winning the election and uh, on the theory that these multi-state operators were going to um, outperform and going to be able to um, increase their revenue by multiples very quickly. And then this new one that you're talking about is a, is a, a special pur- purpose acquisition corp, uh, which has been a big trend lately. We've talked about it with uh, MP Materials and and how uh, Fortress <laughs> took that over to trade and how well that did, right, from 14 to, to like 40 bucks in, in a month or two. And so uh, this new SPAC is called Subversive Capital. It still trades uh, over the counter, SBVCF. And it's uh, like you say, it's a group attached to, to Jay-Z and, 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 and Rock Nation and, and a couple of brands and companies that uh, they're attached to in, in California that are all going to combine under a company called Aptly, the parent company. Um, and trades uh, under a holding company and will soon, you know, get despacked as, as they've been calling it and, and trade on a major exchange that happens next week, I believe. But um, a couple of things, I mean, uh, I don't know if you wanted me to talk about it or not, but it would be the biggest uh, uh, cannabis company in California, very well financed with over half a billion dollars cash and trust. And it's trading right at that sort of market cap right now. You get Jay-Z to market it, of course, which is um, obviously beneficial and brings in a new class of buyers, let's call it, that he can promote to. He's not Um, a business, man. He's a business, man. (laughs) No doubt, man. Uh, He brings all sorts of puns and rap lyrics that you can use to describe the deal, uh, as Gerardo just did. (laughs) And um, it's big. Look, it's going to do... Um, I think 300 and some million in revenue this year and and 500 plus next year, multiple retail locations vertically integrated. Um, and you get some of the uh, musicians, rappers and athletes that are a part of the Rock Nation brand to, um, you know, promote it and be a part of it as well. And so anyway, I, I think it has a chance to go up, as do many cannabis companies in this environment. And so, yeah. Grow, it. grow it, bag it, ship it, sell it, repeat. That, that, that's what the song says. I don't know. It's just what the song says. <laughs> He's got a business model. <laughs> we have to talk copper. We can't talk the new administration coming in. And there was a speech today from Mr. Biden, and he was asked about the next stimulus package. And, uh, you know, he said, look, the bra- you know, it's a, it's a stimmy it, now. It's, it's a stimmy now. It's a stimmy. I, I like a stimmy it. Check. I like it. I like it. Um, and he said, look, the price tag is going to be high. It will be a multi-trillion dollar package. I mentioned the two Senate seats in Georgia that went left. Um, and so now they have control of that. They'll, they'll be able to pass that. So if, if, if we're going to continue to do what we were already doing, under the Trump presidency, which is debase the dollar, beg the Fed to do it, um, and and continue spending money we don't have and counterfeiting money. We've said it before. Let's put it into some productive things. I think infrastructure is extremely uh, an extremely effective allocation of counterfeited money. It, it it will last. It will hold up for generations. And I'm not just talking about bridges and roads. I'm talking about internet infrastructure and 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 the access that our our our, our kids have in school and Everybody should have top-notch internet in a school. I don't care what you know school district you're in, whether it's some little place in Kentucky or 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 East LA or Chicago or New York, whatever it is. If you want to learn, you should be able to learn and have the bare minimum. And you know this, not having a a dependable internet connection nowadays to me is is the equivalent of not being given the book back when we were growing up, or at least when I was growing up, right? And so. There's there's such a a long list of how we can govern better and spend our counterfeited money better, but you have to believe if counterfeiting is what we're going to continue to do, and it's clear that's what's going to happen. Copper at three sixty seven, three seventy is still a bargain, and we've been saying this about copper since two fifty a pound. I mean, you got to stand up and say if you're going to destroy my currency, at least buy me some nice shit, right? I think that's. Uh, what you're saying there, and yeah. inter- internet access is a is, is a very important thing. You know, where I live, there's no high speed internet access, and I'm trying to get it wired, and it's very expensive. Even though there's a high speed fiber line, uh, kind of close, it's been a long process, and um, it hasn't gone anywhere fast, quite frankly. And it's something that I'm still working on, and 
um, everything you're talking about, you know, I know you were going to copper, which is at eight year highs, but even to, um, you know, other things like we just created a, a uranium reserve, for example, and Congress funded it. And um, we're getting more serious about like uh, critical metals, for example, and the price of batteries is coming down. And so um, there's lots of opportunities uh, here domestically to to put those dollars to work to get to get real things done instead of just uh, making it corporate pork, right? Where so much of it, so much of it seems to just uh, disappear into the into the financial ether or into the coffers of the already uber uber rich, right? And uh, one of the jokes I saw when Biden announced that it was a a multi trillion dollar plan, trillions with an S, was um, is that like hundreds of trillions or thousands of trillions? <laughs> I think they're going to start with two or three just to kind of warm you up and butter you up. And and speaking of warming up and buttering up, I'll say this, you know, the Internet issue is a serious one for, for, for kids and for students and for access to information. And it's you know, it's it's by far not just the inner city. You mentioned, you know, where you live, Nick, and, and I have a home that's just 50, a second home that's 15 or 20 minutes away from my little suburban home um, here near Austin and, and my country home, as I call it. You know, I only have the choice of one provider. So, you know, yes, it's important to provide internet to densely populated areas, but also I'm fucking tired of my porn buffering over there. So can we please get some of this counterfeited money into the rural areas of America so that we have one consistent, I I don't even need 5G. Just give me the 4G. Just give me the 4G. That's all I'm asking for. That's funny. You're like the city mouse and the country mouse. <laughs> Raton del Campo. Beats Carmen del Rico. So that's a long way of saying copper's headed higher. Um, I, I, I think the base metals are headed higher. I think there's an opportunity there for, for and we've said this before, with copper gold plays, plays like Regulus, plays like Chicana Copper. Um there's money to be made, people, and this won't last for just a year or two years. This is going to be a, 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 a multi-year um, commodity super cycle that we're entering, largely, largely enabled by central bankers around the world. And look, it's, it's, it's a currency war, and it's not one that ends well, but you might as well make some money between now and when it ends. And you know, if I had a piece of advice to give everybody, if you're able to, Invest in real assets. I mean, you know, talk talk to experts about it. Whatever whatever real asset you're interested in, but be it gold or or income producing property, um, or just you know real estate for personal use. Whatever that is, you should really, really, really take some time um, to educate yourself because your dollar, <laughs> your euro, your peso, your yen, whatever currency you're holding right now in your pocket, it's going to be worth a whole lot less in the next several years. Well, and especially because some of those assets that those dollars are chasing are finite, as we already sort of touched on with the the Bitcoin, right? I mean, they're not making any more uh, copper. They're not making any more gold unless, um, you know, some stars explode and come to Earth quickly or we figure out a way to economically transport heavy quantities of things from space, which despite what you may read on the Internet is a long way off, then we got to deal with what we got here on our Earth and um, things like copper and uranium and gold and silver. They're not making any more of. And so um, you got the sort of twofold thing there. And that's what's happening right now. Lithium just bottomed. We just saw the first consistent price increase in China in three years. And if you look at companies like Lithium Americas, it's, you know, it's it's doubled here in the past several weeks. And so, again, it's early days. The uranium companies, we talked about those. You look at energy fuels. That's we, we, we highlighted the company, I think, three or four weeks ago. It's doubled since then. A great play on uranium with some rare earth exposure. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of different ways to make money in this market, everyone. Um, you owe it to yourself to, to, to pay a little attention because we're not going to have to be the, 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 the brightest bulbs in the box to, to do mm. remarkably well. And if you can pick a stock or two, you're going to do exceptionally well. And in things like um, uranium and rare earths, especially and lithium to some extent, um, it's one of those things where um, it's a situation where like the ETFs you would use to buy the sector 
um, hold fewer companies than like a GDX or a GDXJ, for example, because there's fewer companies in a uranium sector or a lithium sector or a rare earth sector. And so whereas, you know, um, if you buy a uranium ETF, you're going to get mostly like a quarter exposure to Cameco anyway, right? And then there's going to be some like Atoshu in there and some like Kazataprom on a foreign exchange. Um, and then like a tiny bit of US, UEC and energy fuels, which you just mentioned. And um, so in those uh, rarer and critical element sectors, you have an advantage because you can do a little bit of research and pick a couple of those companies that the, the funds are, are owning anyway, right? But you can um, uh, pick the ones that have catalysts coming up and that have uh, value propositions that are more attractive instead of just uh, buying a fund and paying a fee and having to, to own the, the, them all, which might be a better strategy, say, in like um, consumer staples or energy or something, right? Agreed. Agreed. Mr. Hodge, I know that you're a big proponent, as am I, of freedom of speech, freedom of thought, independent thinking, critical thinking. What are your thoughts on the social media ban for President Trump and now Michael Flynn and several others? Um, yeah, what are your thoughts? Justified? Gosh, I'm not sure. I haven't really taken a... a a long time to, to give it appropriate uh, reflection. I think, I don't know, let's talk through it. Um, you know, these platforms, uh, Twitter and, and, and Facebook we've talked about before have uh, gotten too big for their britches. And when you have a platforms that are uh, that big, it seems like um, you are a platform for free speech, even though uh, it is a, uh, private platform, but that therein presents a conundrum because you want to, to regulate that company, right? We've seen some of these, and sorry, this is going to be a meandering tale. We've seen some of these, uh, you know, companies come up with against uh, antitrust accusations and have to testify on Congress to, to Congress. We've talked about some of uh, these things. We saw the indictment uh, of Facebook or the, the thing from multi-states uh, a couple of weeks ago. And it's, you know, if they're going to uh, be regulated by the government like that? Are they obligated to provide free speech? You know, there's all sorts of, of arguments and there's all sorts of, of nuances here. In the case of uh, Twitter, did Facebook ban it too? I'm sorry, did, or just Twitter. I think Facebook actually did as well, didn't F I? Facebook did as well, correct. So yeah, I mean, I mean, politics comes into play in, in the case of Jack Dorsey. Um, you know, are you going to allow this person to, is he inciting virus? Yeah, virus. Is he inciting violence? <laughs> yes, is virus he, too. That was a Freudian <laughs> slip and we're going to talk about that next. He's also leech, inciting virus. Leech, inject it, inject it. Um, <laughs> is, is, is he inciting violence? Is he, um, you know, um, causing damage and is it is it their place to regulate it? I'm, I'm not sure, Gerardo. I think that... Um, uh, I'm going to keep talking. You've seen a lot of flight from, you know, conservative um, people from Twitter saying that it's an anti-conservative platform and, and, and migrating away from Twitter. And, and that's also their prerogative, right? If it's, a, if it's a service being provided for free, they can go elsewhere. Um, I don't think people should be really moderated, Gerardo, I guess is where I come down on most things. I agree with that as well. I think if... Um... If you don't allow people the ability and platform to express themselves, then how do you know who you're dealing with, right? And I do, I do believe it's a slippery slope. When a we, slippery slope is exactly right. Yeah, when we arbitrarily just start saying, "Well, you get banned for 12 hours," and right now Michael Flynn just got his account suspended. And while I'm no fan of Michael Flynn, who pleaded guilty and was pardoned. Um, and that, you know, that's not even a story. That was a story two weeks ago, all the pardons that president Trump handed out to his buddies. Right. Um, but in the case of inciting direct violence, I understand it. I understand if you flag Threats. the cop. Yes, sure. absolutely. Physical harm and violence, um, encouraging others to do so. Yes. Um, n there should be no place for that. Um, however, you know, telling people to go march to the Capitol building. That wasn't Mr. Trump saying, go trample and spit on cops. 
people chose to do that, right? Eric Trump saying, I'll fight with you. That's a little different. One, it's a lie. That is. One, that's a lie. And two, that is inciting violence. He's telling you we're going there to fight and I'm going to be right there with you. And again, I don't mind if you throw a brick or a rock at my house and you stand there and flip me off and tell me about it because then I get to decide what to do with you. Don't throw the brick and hide your hands and turn around and, and have me wondering who did it. And especially don't send someone else to throw the brick or have someone else take the fall for it. And in this case, you know, with Mr. Eric Trump, you're a sucker. You're a sucker. You told people you'd be right next to them fighting. And one young lady was killed. An officer was killed. Three other people lost their lives. Um, we had one of the most disgraceful moments in our country's history. And you incited that. You helped incite that. And I would have had a lot more respect for Mr. Eric Trump and, and Don Jr. as well. If they had actually gone out there and came outside. I kept tweeting to all the people that were inciting it. Come outside then. Come outside anywhere. Come outside in Austin. Come outside in Washington. If you challenge someone to a fight, just show up. You don't got to win. But but, but you, you should be alongside the people that you're throwing into harm's way. And, 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 that's, and we talked about this before m- months ago, weeks ago, about how it's, it's, it's angering to me when politicians on both sides incite and, and, and encourage the extreme parts of their base but aren't actually there for any of the consequences, right? Didn't your friend Giuliani say we were going to have a trial by combat? But I would like, I'd like to see Giuliani combat. That's exactly, that's exactly, that's exactly what he said. Again, another, just, you know, another pimp, right? We're going to do the work. We're going to do this together, baby. Yeah, now, but you go out there and go do it all. Just make sure you bring it all back. Don't be short. Big pimping. Big pimping. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We got to talk COVID. 4,000 deaths yesterday. Um, For the people that thought it was a flu, maybe. But good gracious, this is a tough flu season. It's still here. Uh, It's still rampant. The vaccines are rolling out. We'll see how many people are willing to take them. The polling um is not that encouraging um you've obviously seen the reports of uh adverse reactions people testing positive after saying they're not going to get the second vaccine we'll see how that rollout continues to go um schools are starting to tiptoe back i don't know if what's going on there in austin i was talking to my dad um who's involved with the public schools in uh, a county in maryland and they're starting to phase back in uh next week which actually came as a surprise they had like a a meeting about it this week and so um it's sort of like with us right it's one of those things where you know it's sort of what i said a while ago is that like you know the the at-risk groups are going to be managed and uh and those that are in 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 lower risk groups that have been you know shown to be low risk groups throughout the course of this virus or or getting back to it and um you know living with the virus right i mean it is what it is i stand up from my desk and walk to the bathroom and you know my mask is sitting right here beside me and i put on my mask every time i stand up right i mean it's just sort of part of life now and uh the deaths obviously are 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 sad but uh the market clearly doesn't seem to care and so um Uh, part of life now. And um, I think something that um, people are starting to pay less attention to, honestly, unless there's a severe spike or there's uh, uh, overrun of hospitals, which I know is happening in some places. And um, what else did I read about it this week? The the morphing strains, right? Which is something that we've talked about with the vaccines early on, you know, if you make a vaccine for, for one strain of the virus and it morphs into something else, um, how effective is it going to be uh, in, in, you know, suppressing further breakouts? Um, and then you get into talks about antibodies and why you need, uh, you know, immunotherapies and things like that. And so um, it's going to be an ongoing battle and, and, and one that, uh, unfortunately, I don't think is going to come to a conclusion here anytime soon. And um, one that we're still going to have to deal with the consequences of on the other side. You saw this morning, uh, well, of course, we'll get this next week, but you saw, uh, you know, unemployment uh, a spike unexpectedly, right? With uh, uh, Unexpectedly. Not as, <laughs> right, not going as well as at least they were, right? And so um, lots of things still to deal with here. 
Agreed. I, I hope that the rollout is more efficient and effective um, under the new administration because it has been a shit show uh, the first several weeks. I know here in Austin, you know, we've we've used just a fraction of, 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 of the small amount of doses that, that we received. And it's just it seems, again, like there was no real comprehensive plan. I, I remember the video interview on 60 Minutes with the general and Operation Warp Speed. And, you know, they walked through the data center and, and, and it was impressive. And I was, you know, I was hopeful. So they look like they're ready for this. They look like they actually are going to, you know, boots on the ground, go, go get this stuff out to as many people as want it, right? You have a choice. But if you want it, we're, we're going to make it available. And I got to say the first two or three weeks have been really disheartening because, you know, there's places where 86% of the vaccine that has been delivered still hasn't been rolled out. And so I'm very curious to see what Mr. Biden and the administration do to ramp up efforts to get this out. Because for those that want the vaccine, um, they sh it should be accessible within the next several months to everybody, especially, especially high-risk uh, groups and essential workers, which, again... Uh, we we got to take care of the most vulnerable amongst us, right? And it's the least we can do. We do a damn good job of taking cor cor care of corporations in this country. Oh, absolutely, man. I mean, they need to be prioritized for sure. All right, let's talk almond and minerals. That was, um, you know, how we ended 2020 on my end of it. Um, a company that I've supported for over a decade and continue to, Um you know, it's done exceptional work. I've talked on this podcast about me being to the project, being in touch with several of the people on the ground. It's a community that wants the jobs. It's a community that needs the jobs. Almaden, to be clear, on the community front, has done everything correctly. It was challenged by a New York-funded NGO that is looking to overrule and change the entire Mexican mining code they included the Almaden claims as a part of the lawsuit. It went back and forth. Eventually, the government told the permitting department, let's call it that, Semarnat, who issues mining permits in Mexico. The government said, hey, you have to rule on this permit because <laughs> basically that, that, that lawsuit isn't going to get far. And even if it does, that doesn't prevent you from determining whether this is a project that should be permitted. The new head of Semarnat, which came on board the last several months, is 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 known to be very pro-environment. Nothing wrong with that. Very pro-responsible mining. Nothing wrong with that. But the denial of this permit, which caused shares, you know, instead of going to two and three dollars the way they would have had the permit been issued because of the robust nature of the economics that project boasts, instead of that happening you know, shares got walloped and were down 35, 40% and, you know, came down to the 60, 65 cent level. Um, so what, what does that mean for Mexico? Um, I know the issue was that this was an open pit. That was one of the issues. Many of the points that Semarnat made were simply not factual. The, the points made as to why it was denied. They, they claimed that certain studies weren't done when they were in the document. They claimed that uh, certain mitigation efforts weren't included. That was a lie. So, you know, I asked the question, well, did they even read the thing? And and let's be clear, in Mexico, it is common. It is common for the initial permit application to be denied. And then there's a dialogue between company and department. And then department says, well, if you can do A, B, C, and D, we'll issue it to you. And And this happens often in Mexico. But it is a bit worrisome on the one end um, for, for companies this close to the permitting phase. And let's be clear, strategically, in hindsight, Almaden made a mistake by pushing to get this permit. It was so confident in how well it had done with the hundreds of people that had been taken to hundreds of different mines to show the community how mines work and the economic stimulus and benefits and, 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 and the risk and, and what real mining looks like. They did this beautifully. And, and they did it so well that they thought, well, hey, a permitted project sure will surely will command a bigger premium than a project that still has a permit pending. And, and I don't want to Monday night quarterback this thing. So I, I understand the approach. But in hindsight, it, it should have just continued exploring and delivering you know, new ounces, silver and gold ounces, and let someone like Ignico Ego that has a bit more influence 
um, buy this thing out and and work on securing the permit. And so there is a path forward. The company isn't going away. Um, it, it, it's funded. It's got great exploration upside. There's nothing about the permit denial that prevents the company from exploring and making new discoveries and adding value that way. But let's hope that let's hope that the permit decision, if 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 that application is resubmitted, is a favorable one next time. Because boy, did I sure not like waking up to little spiteful emails from the classiest out there amongst you um, telling me how right they were and how wrong I was. And hey, rightfully so. I, I got that one wrong. I absolutely thought that 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 Almaden would receive its permit. And, uh, you know, I vote with my dollar and I lost a couple of bucks that day. That was not a good thing to wake up to for sure. And um, especially because it came kind of abruptly given the uh, and I'm not going to be a dead horse here, but given the framework of the, the lawsuit, as you described it, right, um, I thought it was uh, just abrupt to to to, to deny the Extaca permit. And so um, for all the reasons that, that you said, and so, um, yeah, I continue to own a lot of shares of Almaden. I, I sold it in the letters because I think capital can be put to better work elsewhere while they sort out the permitting side of things, even though I know they can explore. And so, um, yeah, best of luck to all of them. And, and frankly, I think what I wrote at the time is that some of the other entities were, were sold down as well on Zucar and, and Almaden simply for being related. I know, uh, or Almadex, excuse me. I know Almadex has the, the royalty, but, uh, Zucar isn't related. Right. And so, um, uh, silver lining, if you want one is an opportunity there. Absolutely. And that brings me to my other point. Look, if, if, if this continues, if this is a new trend in Mexico with the new head of Semarnat, um, and, and we're just going to be very hypercritical, undeservedly so even, of any company with an open pit mining project in Mexico, then guess what? The companies that are already permitted, um, that are generating cash flow, they're going to command a significant premium in this gold bull cycle. And again, I, I have to reiterate because one day this company will be a five, six, seven dollar company. It trades at a buck right now. Companies like Magna Gold that are ramping up to at least seventy-five to a hundred thousand ounces of, of of gold equivalent ounces of production this year um, are 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 going to absolutely demand a premium um, from the market. So that is something to watch for in Mexico. I'll be keeping an eye on it, and of course, we'll be staying in touch with the team at Almaden to to see what progresses on that front. Mr. Hodge, typically first podcast of the new year, we hand out some awards and given the somber tone of the week's events, you know, we decided to kind of put that off. We are back to our regularly scheduled program. You will have a podcast next week. We will do awards for best IR, hardest working CEO, Best Exploration Team, everything 2020. Um, and I'm looking forward to that. That is always fun for me. I am as well. You and I will have to confer on the awards we want to give, and I look forward to doing it. Anything people should be watching for this week, Nick? I already said Chicana Copper, likely drill results. Uh, Nevada Sunrise Gold, a new Placer Dome Gold, likely drill results. I think uh, Max Sally, the CEO of New Placer Dome Gold, has stated publicly that Monday is the day that those will be published. You have, you know, I think the initial nine holes and then 40 more in the lab. So lots of news flow there. I'm excited for both those companies. Anything on your end of it? Just keep an eye on these on these uh, uranium companies. And we've had a lot of false starts. And I, I'm interested to know if this is the real thing. There's some out there whose uh, valuations uh, deserve your consideration, whether this is the, the real kickoff or not. But um, uh, that's something I would start to take a look at and then have a position established if you don't already. And then um, there's a lot of euphoria out there, right? Climbing of, of walls of worry, as it were. Um, you know, just be cautious of overheating on, on some things. I encourage everyone to start thinking critically. Examine your beliefs, vet them, and whatever your beliefs are. I say this often, just be kind to each other. Be decent with each other. Be respectful of each other. And, um, you know, I'm with Nick. I think that 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 
you know, this experiment we call democracy and this republic has a lot of legs. And I also believe there's a lot of volatility to come. But start holding the people that you supposedly follow or look to for opinions. Start holding them to higher account. You know, they, they it's just breaking now that there's going to be new impeachment impeachment articles on Monday um, brought to the House to to. And, and let's be clear, some of that is politically motivated to get Mr. Trump, prevent him from running again, which, uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that another day. But um, things have consequences and words have consequences. Thoughts have consequences. Your energy has consequences. So protect it, protect it and be good to each other. And man, what a start to the year, Nick. I know you're pain. <laughs> I know you're hurt. I we love you. You're very special. Go home in peace. <laughs> I am Gerardo Del Real, along with Mr. Nick Hodge. This was episode 99. We got big 100 next week, Nick. Can't wait. This was Bizarro World, guys. Have a great week. See ya.